Welcome to Event Up, the place where people enthusiastic about events stay in the know on the latest trends within the events industry. Live, hybrid, and virtual experiences. From virtual events to conferences, award galas, and everything in between. Here's your host, Amanda Ma. Welcome to Event Up, the place to get the latest and greatest in event industry news, ideas, and topics. In this episode, we'll be discussing how to attract customers and keep them forever. Today, I'm joined by Joey Komen, author of the number two Wall Street Journal bestseller, Never Lose a Customer Again. I'm actually super excited to have him here because I'm a huge fan. So, so glad he's making the time to be here today. I actually found Joey at an event. And he was phenomenal. And even after the event, I got his book. I even filled out his worksheet. And I just thought, you know what? This is a guy who's making an impact and just kind of revisit that like customer service. So to give you a little bit of background for more than almost 20 years, Joey has helped organization retain their best customers and turn them into raving fans via his entertaining and actionable keynotes, workshop and consulting projects. He is an award-winning speaker, both national and international conferences. His book, Never Lose a Customer Again, that provides an eight-step process that will help you identify your customer's emotion, needs, and guarantee their desired outcomes. Let's jump right in, Joey. Well, thank you, Amanda. Thanks so much for having me on the show. And thanks to everybody who's joining us to listen in. Super excited to spend some time together today talking about creating remarkable experiences. So first, I would like to start if you could share with us, you know, what sparked your motivation, what interest to write this book? Yeah, the book came actually on the heels of decades of consulting and working with companies. Uh, one of the original genesis moments, if you will, for the book was I was running an ad agency. And part of my job was to get as many people to come to my clients as possible. And we were really good at driving eyeballs, driving clicks, driving people to come through the front door, whatever it may be to have new customers show up. But I realized over time that my clients, who I loved working with, weren't keeping the customers that we were bringing to the front door. The customer would come once and then they'd never come again, or they'd sign up for a service and they'd cancel a few months later. And what we realized is that they needed a better onboarding experience. The reason customers stay is because in the first 100 days of the journey of their time with you, you create such a remarkable experience that they want to become a customer for life. They want to keep coming back for more. And so we work together to develop kind of a methodology, a philosophy, a framework, tips, tactics for how to do that. And then I started speaking about it. And then I started consulting more about it. And then I wrote a book about it. And now I spend most of my days traveling around the world or doing virtual events to help audiences learn how they can apply these systems and processes in their own business to create those remarkable experiences that keep their customers coming back for more. I love that. And in your book, you teach us how to keep a finger on the pulse of all things related to customer service, as well as employee experiences. Does that ever change? 
Does does the importance of keeping a finger on the pulse ever change? No, not at all. Does the pulse change? Absolutely. You know, uh, when we first start out with a customer, lots of times the customer is very excited about the possibilities and we're very excited about the possibilities. But as soon as we start working together, the customer is in a very uncertain place. They're in an uncertain place because they don't know your systems. They don't know your process. They don't know what it's going to be like to actually attend your event or use your product or, you know, partake of your service. Whereas you've delivered your event or your product or your service hundreds of times, thousands of times, you know that you're going to do a great job and you could deliver on the things that you're planning to deliver on. But that difference between your certainty and their uncertainty creates instability. And most businesses fail to even acknowledge this, let alone do anything about it. And that's where the relationship starts. And it only gets worse as time goes on. That's why we want to keep our finger on that pulse to see what's going on. Because as time goes on and we ask them to do more and more things or lean further in and we're thinking, no, this is good for you. And they're thinking, I'm scared. I don't know what's happening. It creates this disconnect. So I would say it is hugely important to keep a finger on the pulse of both the customer experience and the employee experience because those experiences are changing with every interaction we have. Definitely. I think that's so true. And I know here, you know, at Innovate Marketing Group, after being inspired by reading your book and hearing your share, we also implemented some of these. So for those that are new to your, you know, eight step guide, can you share a little bit more about those eight steps and then how you, how people can use that to grow their businesses? Joey, can you share a little bit more about your eight step guide to growing businesses? Absolutely. So I believe there are eight phases of the customer journey and it, you have to get each phase right to move a customer from one phase to the next. They come in a sequence and if we do our jobs right and we hold our customers hands and navigate them along each step of the path, we get some incredible results. Now with your permission, Amanda, what I'll do is I'll give you kind of the fire hose version of all eight uh, phases and then we can dive into whatever specific questions or thoughts you have about individual ones. As a little tip before we get started for all the listeners, all of the phases start with the letter A. And the idea here is if you're doing a good job, it's like getting straight A's on your report card from your customer. They love the experience. You're hitting all the key subjects, all the key topics they care about. The first phase is the assess phase. This is the phase where a prospective customer is considering whether or not they want to do business with you. In common parlance, we call this marketing and sales. We then go to the second phase. The second phase is the admit phase. This is when a prospect admits that they have a problem or a need that they believe you can help them with. They sign on the dotted line. They hand over their hard-earned cash. They officially transition from being a prospect to being a customer. In that first 100 days journey, this is day one of the first 100 days. This is when they officially become a customer. But almost immediately after that, they move into the next phase, phase three, the affirm phase. In common parlance, we call this buyer's remorse, where the new customer begins to doubt the decision they just made to do business with you. And if we don't jump in and affirm their decision, it creates big problems going forward. 
We then come to phase four, the activate phase. This is the first real moment of truth. So if you're hosting an event, this is when they show up for the actual event. Or if you're selling a product, this is when they receive the product, they open it, and they use it for the first time. To be honest, most businesses are actually pretty good in the activate phase. But in the activate phase, what we want to do is create an experience that says doing business with us is going to be unlike any experience you've ever had. Those first real moments of truth, that first wow interaction that makes somebody say, yes, this is where I want to be and this is going to be better than I even expected. We then go to phase five, the acclimate phase. Now, as a pro tip, this is where most businesses start to fall apart. In the acclimate phase, we need to hold our customer's hand as they navigate doing business with us. We've done this dozens of times, hundreds of times, maybe even thousands of times, but to a new customer attending our event for the first time or using our product for the first time or taking advantage of our service for the first time, they have no idea what's coming next. And you may say, but Joey, we gave them a schedule. Or Joey, they signed the contract where we detailed all the steps. Or Joey, they know our plan and our process. Folks, respectfully, they don't know it as well as you do. You've been living with it. You're immersed in it. You created it. They're brand new. They don't know what comes next. It's why any savvy event professional knows before you send them out for a break, you tell them, we're going to be back in the room in 15 minutes. We're going to be starting in 15 minutes. We're going to have people in the hall saying, get back into the room. The next speaker is amazing. You don't want to miss the next speaker. We're going to have treats and snacks. We're going to have a... You do these things to get them to keep moving forward. That's what the acclimate phase is all about. We then come to phase six, the accomplish phase. This is the phase when your customer accomplishes the goal they had when they originally decided to do business with you way back when they were a prospect. See, every customer has a vision of what their interactions with you are going to produce, how it's going to make them smarter, how it's going to make their life easier, better, faster, more convenient, fill in the blank, depending on what you're offering. If we're not paying attention to what our customer is hoping to accomplish and tracking their progress towards that goal, they're going to forget to celebrate. And if they forget to celebrate when they cross the finish line and we forget to remind them and celebrate with them, then somewhere in the back of their head, they're going to doubt the investment they made to do business with us. They're going to say, well, it's okay, but I never, I didn't really get what I wanted. I didn't get the outcome that I desired and then they leave and they never come back. If we help them achieve the accomplish phase in phase six, we get the right to take them to phase seven, the adopt phase. This is when a customer becomes loyal to us and only us. They're not looking at the competition. They're not going elsewhere. They are committed to everything we do. And if, and only if they've become an adopter, do we have the chance to get them to phase eight, the final phase, nirvana, the holy grail, the advocate phase, where they become a raving fan singing our praises far and wide, our uncommissioned, uncompensated marketing force who's out there telling everyone they know how awesome we are and how they should go do business with us. These are the eight phases. And if you do the eight phases right, you can have a customer for life. If you fall off in any of these phases, you don't have the momentum or the ability to get them to the next phase, and that's why they leave.
so much wisdom there as I you know, as you're speaking, I'm kind of literally picking up like one of our clients that we work with. I'm like, am I doing all those things? Right. Because like I said, I really came across and learned about you this year. And already I was just so inspired. And it's true. We really walk through these. And one of our company value is wow service. So because of that, I'm like, okay, are we doing it? And it's true. A lot of time people once, you know, they take so much time trying to earn clients trust to give them the opportunity to spend, you know, anywhere between a hundred thousand to half a million to a million dollars for us to do an event for them. And then halfway through, it's like them now what? Right. Exactly. Exactly. And here's the crazy. Yeah. And here's the crazy thing, Amanda, this happens at the lowest price points and each additional dollar increases the importance of all of these things. Buyer's remorse gets greater as the price tag of your product or your offering gets better, bigger, right? So we really, if you're offering a high ticket dollar item or a luxury item or a high touch white glove service item or service, you want to make sure that you're delivering on those remarkable wow experiences. And the reality is, if someone's spending a million dollars on an event, it better be a pretty big wow. A $10 Starbucks gift card is not a big wow on a million dollar event. It needs to be commensurate with the value of the exchange, the value of the interaction. Now, I'm not saying you need to do a million dollar Starbucks gift card. Okay. What I am saying is the definition of wow gets more enhanced, more complicated, more creative, more unique, more personalized, more customized as the dollar value of your offering increases. That's so incredible. And I know for you, you really focus on why is that first hundred day of customer relationships so important? Can you kind of share a little bit more about that? Yeah. So the first hundred days is important because that's when all of the foundation for the relationship gets established. But you don't just have to take my word for it. We did research around the world. We looked at companies, small, medium, and large, online and offline, product and service, domestic and international. And what we found is that somewhere between 20 and 70% of all new customers will decide to stop doing business with you before the 100-day anniversary. 20 to 70%. These numbers are staggering. In the banking industry, it's 32%. Cell phones, 21%. Software as a service, 20%. Auto mechanics, 68%. Restaurants, between 40 and 70%, depending on the type of cuisine you serve. The moral of the story here is as quickly as you're bringing in the customers in the front door, they're running out the back door. I know we've got a lot of event professionals listening. So let me pot, pot, let me posit this question to you. What if for your next event, everyone who had ever attended one of your events came to it? How big would the event be? Twice as big? Five times as big? 10 times as big? Now, some of you may be saying, but Joey, you don't understand. We do events for different types of industries and different types of clients. Okay. If there's a client that you've done repeat events for, or an industry you've done repeat events for? What if everyone that had ever attended one of your events came back? How big would that be? These are enormous, gigantic numbers. And these are people you already know. 
You already have their email, their phone number, their physical mailing address. You've met them. You've interacted with them. You had some type of experience where they came to your last event. Why aren't they coming to the next one? The reason they're not coming is because the event was probably remarkable and fantastic and great. But the second the event ended, your relationship with them ended. You didn't call anymore. You didn't email anymore. You didn't interact with them anymore. And life moved on. You got busy with the next customer instead of thinking about the relationship with the last customer. All I'm asking people to do is to realize that when somebody says, I want to do business with you, I want to give you a try, that is an opportunity. It's a possibility. And I would go so far as to say it's an obligation to extend that relationship for as long as possible. Not just because of the financial benefits, although the financial benefits are enormous, but because in this day and age, when we find somebody that we know, that we like, that we trust, that delivers on the promises they made, that creates remarkable experiences, we want to do more business with them. We want to spend more time with them. So you're actually doing them a favor. Oh my gosh. So inspired just right there. And it's so true, right? We work with a lot of the, we mainly do corporate events. So and large community events. So we do work with wonderful brands, you know, and we pick and choose, right? Because then there's some that it just, the mission is not aligned and they're not, Perhaps it's not good synergy. And then for the most part, the one that we do end up working with, we love working with them. And it's very much, you know, we do this event and then we have to continue on to the next event and we're just moving really fast, right? But it's so true that you really need to take that moment to celebrate what you have accomplished together and to remember that this is not just a one time. And we tell our clients that all the time. You know, we really believe in building a long-term relationship and I think we're very proud of that because all our clients that start with us, they are still with us. That's why we have clients that are older than my kids and my kids are eight years old. <laughs> um, but I think it, it takes time. It takes time to cultivate that and it needs to be intentional. And that's why I like your eight-step process, right? So that it, you kind of digest it so it's very easy to understand and people can do it on their own at, or discuss this with their team. And then I also, you talked about, you know, there's a difference between customer service and customer experience. So with that we dive in a little bit more on that as well. Absolutely. I think there are a lot of people, Amanda, who think of customer service and customer experience as being the same thing. And I totally understand that. Those, those phrases are used interchangeably in society all the time. But I think that's a mistake. I think words matter. And I think there is a stark difference between customer service and customer experience. Customer service is defined as the assistance and advice that a company provides to people who buy or use their products or services. Customer experience is how those customers perceive all of the interactions with your company. What do they feel? from doing business with you. So customer service is more reactive. Hey, this didn't work as planned. I need help. Hey, I'm not sure that uh, how to do this. What should I do next? Hey, you said it was going to be like this, but it feels different. I'm upset. That's customer service. Customer experience is 
wow, this is easy. Wow, this is seamless. Oh, they thought of that. Oh, I was just going to ask that. And look, there's the answer. It's anticipatory. It's familiar. It's interactive. It's convenient. It's seamless. These are the words that we associate with an experience. Service is more, it's a problem. It's an answer. It's a solution. It's a fix. It's an issue. I want to have as few customer service interactions as possible and put the bulk of my effort, my resources, my time, and my attention into the customer experience side of my business. I love that customer experience because for you know, there are a lot of events and marketing people on this podcast. So it, we're all about experiences that we build, right? For events, it's like touching the five senses, building that experience, what people see, what people feel. But, you know, this really brings us back to that customer experience versus the customer service. I love how you interpret that. So in the future, I'm going to use that with my team. Well, I appreciate it. You know, it's interesting when you talk about the events, Amanda, I have the pleasure of attending and speaking at hundreds of events a year, right? I, I travel all over in the last 18 months, as we all know, it's been more virtual presentations, but there've been uh, the opportunity to attend thousands of events across my life. Here's the thing, and I say this respectfully to your listeners, most events aren't that different they're actually more similar than different. And if you really want to stand out, it's not going to be because the client went for the $5 additional dessert. You know, it's not going to be because they did this one little thing differently. It's going to be because they came at it with a different philosophy. They came at it with a philosophy of feeling. And increasingly, that philosophy around events, as I'm sure the majority of your listeners are, are already doing in their own businesses, is that the experience begins the moment someone hears about the event. It gets elevated and enhanced when they sign up for the event. It continues to build momentum and interactions and excitement until they arrive at the event. Then there's incredible fanfare and experience while they're there live participating. And then when they leave, it doesn't end. It keeps going. The momentum continues. The connections continue. The conversations continue. The interactions continue. What happens all too often in the event space is the day the event ends, everybody gets on a plane and goes home. And that's the last time they think about the event until the next year. Or everybody's watching virtually, and as soon as they hit leave meeting or close the screen, it ends. Sure, there's maybe a cursory follow-up email. Oh, we hope you like the event. Fill out this survey. Tell us what you thought. You might win some prizes. That's not continuing the experience. <laughs> That's continuing the transactions. If you want to stand out in the marketplace, if you want to be one of the best event planners and coordinators in the world, stop thinking about transactions and start thinking about experiences. Start thinking about feelings. Start thinking about protracted engagements that aren't about getting more money but are about developing deeper, more personal and emotional connections with the people you serve. You mentioned that many of your clients have been around longer than your children. 
I'd be willing to bet, Amanda, that those clients who have been with you from the beginning, you have a very deep personal and emotional connection with them, not just a transactional connection. Why? Well, part of it is because of time. Part of it is when years go by, relationships naturally deepen. Part of it is because of the attitude, I would imagine. Your philosophy, your intention going into the interactions. We want to be more than a once and done type vendor for you. We want to be a partner for you. We want to build a deeper, long lasting relationship. But I'd be willing to bet that a significant amount of it comes from interactions that you have that have nothing to do with the business. The thoughtful phone call, the nice thank you note, the hey, I saw you had a wedding anniversary. Congratulations. The, hey, I see you got promoted. Woohoo, let's celebrate next time we're together. Those type of interactions make friends, not customers. And let me tell you, it's a lot harder for a friend to choose to stop doing business with you than for a customer. That's so true, because especially in our industry, right? There's so many agencies out there. It's so competitive. You could go around the corner, hire someone else, and they probably do just as about good job as we do. However, we like to think that our events are, of course, very different from other people's, but it's so true because we have customer and it's truly a partnership, whether it's our client or even the vendors we work with. You know, we're here to build that relationship rather than one off. And friends, that is the present and that is the future. Your customers want to feel like they're doing business with someone that cares and they want proof that you care and they want proof that it's more than just the dollars. Now, I'm not saying they're coming in with, you know, a false sense of hopes or, well, you better send me a nice thank you note or else. But when we do these things, it changes the conversations. We stand out in the crowd. If the question is, well, I've got a great photographer and I've got a great caterer and I can get you a great deal at the hotel and I can negotiate for $35 pots of coffee instead of $42 pots of coffee and stuff like that. Those things are the ante up chips to sit down at the table and play. Everybody can do those things. And I know our listeners, I know some of you, you think you're different, but Joe, you don't understand. My photographer is the greatest photographer ever. My caterers always amazing food. I get it. But your competition is saying the same thing. Now, whether they can deliver the same thing or not, kind of doesn't matter. Because as long as everybody's saying the same thing, it's really hard for your customer to distinguish or your prospective customer to distinguish how you're going to be different. That's why we need to bring the experience into that first phase as well, that assess phase, that marketing phase, before they even become a customer. What is the experience of a sales call with you like? What is the experience of going to your website like? What is the experience of, you know, attending one of your events as a spectator, as a prospective customer? Because I know sometimes that happens. A prospect will say, well, I want to go to an event that you're hosting and I want to see how it works. What is that experience like? Because those are the things that will result in long-term relationships. Those are the things that when they're looking at three RFP responses, they're going to go, yeah, but this, this feels different. So what would you say, what can a bad customer experience cost a company? Then? Oh my goodness. Well, first of all, a bad customer experience is also 
almost always going to cost you future revenue from that customer. Okay. A bad experience, that's enough in this day and age. You, you mess up, we're not doing business with you again. In a corporate setting, sometimes that means they can put you on a list of vendors to never work with again. But worse than that, people talk. And event planners and event coordinators talk with each other. But you know who else talks with each other? The corporate meeting professionals, the ones that are hosting these, right? And the speakers that are at your event and the, you know, staff that's at your event and the various people you're interacting, they all talk with each other and you don't want them saying bad things about you. You want them saying amazing things about you. So the ripple effect of a bad experience, not only impacting that client relationship, but impacting future client react reactions and interactions and relationships is huge. And we need only look to either reviews on Amazon or Yelp to see how this works. How many of our listeners have ever found a product on Amazon and looked at the reviews and gone, oh, two stars. I'm not buying that. It's got to be four and a half stars or nothing. How many of you have ever been looking for a place to go to or five, right? I mean, it's like, it's got to be five. That's it, right? How many of you have ever gone to a restaurant and seen the Yelp reviews before you've booked the reservation and gone, eh, not that one. That doesn't look good. Or the TripAdvisor reviews or whatever review services. See, we're living in a day and age where 50 years ago, if you had a bad experience at a restaurant, you told your neighbors and maybe one or two people you worked with. Now, if you have a bad experience at a restaurant, there are people that are sitting in the restaurant having the bad experience, live tweeting the experience to thousands and thousands of people, and it's going to be captured on the internet forever. That's how the game has changed. And this happens with employee experiences too. There's a little website called Glassdoor where employees can go on and talk about what it's like to work for you. It used to be you didn't have to worry about it because what is the likelihood of that junior employee ever bumping into a future candidate of ours? Pretty small. Now, what most young people and middle-aged people and old people applying for a job do is they go on a site like Glassdoor or any of the other HR review sites, and they're like, what's it actually like to work there? And they see all the dirty laundry. They read about all of your worst moments. And that becomes their impression before they show up for the first day on the job. Ooh, that sounds a little more scary. And hopefully that reinforces the importance of creating these type of experiences because it's not just losing one customer. It's potentially creating a scenario that's impacting all the future customers. All right. We were talking about bad customer service. So how to approach customer service if they're just getting started? Because, you know, this may be new for some of the folks that are just tuning in or maybe they just need a refresher. Absolutely. So I think one of the great things about customer experience is there's always the opportunity to make it even better. So if you're just starting out, the good news for you, you have very few clients. This is great. You will never have fewer clients than you do right now, which means you can really pay attention to them. You can research them. You can learn all about them, their likes, their dislikes, their favorite hobbies. I would recommend that you take your clients and take a list of them and go on social media and see what you can learn. And I don't mean just connect with them on LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram so that they see your post. I mean, go connect and pay attention so you can see what they're posting about. 
Where's their favorite place to go on vacation? Are they in a relationship? Do they have children? Where did they go to school? What's their favorite hobby? What movies have they seen? What books are they reading? With many people in this day and age, you can see over a decade of their history by scrolling through social media. You can see where they've come, where they've been, the highs, the lows. I'd be willing to bet that if you take a list of five clients and you devoted 10 minutes to each client, so less than one hour total, and you spent 10 minutes on their Facebook page or their LinkedIn page or their Instagram page, and you looked through, you would learn more in that 10 minutes than some of you have learned in years of working with that client. Now, hopefully that should feel a little bit humbling and a little bit revealing in the sense that it's like, oh no, wait a second, how did I not know that? This is the world we live in. And then that type of knowledge is only useful if you put it into action. What do I mean by that? Where are you recording that knowledge? Are you putting that into your CRM? Are you putting it into the client file so that when you have the next conversation with them, you can bring something up that you learned or when they mentioned something in passing, you can reference it or you can maybe even lead into a conversation that you know is going to be interesting. How are you using the intelligence that you've gathered to deepen the relationship and to deepen the connection? If you already have a lot of these things in place, I would ask, how often are you doing it? How often are you having a communication with a client that is not about business, that is not about the next dollar they're going to spend with you or the project you're currently working on? What do I mean by that? Well, if you see an article that you think they'd like, are you sending it to them? If you see a book in the bookstore or walking through the airport or hear a podcast that you think might have some relevance to them, are you sharing it? Are you saying, hey, when I heard this, I thought of you. When I saw this, I thought of you. We all like to believe as humans that other people are thinking of us, that other people are thinking positively of us, that we're on other people's minds. What are you doing to let your customers, to let your prospects, to let your employees know that they are on your mind? that you are thinking about them even when you're not right in front of them. Those type of interactions are the type of experiences that enhance the overall relationship, will keep the customer coming back for more, and will keep them thinking positively about the time and effort and money they've invested in the relationship with you. I love that. 10 minutes on social media, you guys could do it now. And I think even more importantly, like Joey said, to make it actionable, do something about it. Don't just learn everything and say, okay, that's great. And, you know, so make sure there's that action step. I think that's such a great pro tip, Joey. So where does, you know, in terms of sometimes it may seem like a chore trying to provide this, like, you know, get to know someone, where does the automation and optimization fit into this whole customized customer experience? Yeah, I am not. Lots of times when you talk to somebody who lives in the customer experience world, they are very anti-automation. I am not one of those people. I, am, I believe that automation can be very effective and very useful. I just don't think you should try to automate your caring. Okay, what I mean by that is automate the transactional stuff. Automate signing contracts, automate invoicing, 
automate those type of things that no one's super excited about. Go above and beyond to personalize communications, to personalize phone calls, to personalize an email. It costs nothing to, at the beginning of the email, say, hey, Amanda, hope this email finds you well. I know last time we talked, you were thinking about going on vacation. Where did you decide to go? I'm curious. I was thinking about you today, and I realized that it's that time of year where we should be booking the hotel for your event next year. Have you given any thought as to what city you're thinking? I've got a couple of ideas of places that we've recently hosted events in that I think would be a great fit because I know you believe X, Y, and Z about the type of events you host. I look forward to connecting soon. Talk to you later, Amanda, right? Those type of interactions. Now, that can be a templated email. Opening sentences, talk about something you talked about last time. Next sentence is, Present your ask. What is going on? What is the reason for the email? Next set of sentences, I've been thinking about you and I've done some homework in advance and I'm excited to share that with you. Next set of sentences, let's talk. Let's connect. So that's a template for an interaction. But my gut instinct is for all of you listening, that didn't feel like a templated email. At least I hope it didn't. I hope it felt like it was being composed just for you. That's the secret. That's the balance between automation and personalization, between templates and customization. It's about putting in those little things that say, we can automate and we can systematize the base transactional stuff because we got to do business, but paint around it with some color. Add some frosting, add some of the interesting things that make people say, yeah, I want more of this. I love it. We need the confetti for them to seal the deal. Exactly. Exactly. And it's so true. Sometimes, you know, we go to maybe we're doing another client's event where even if I'm attending another event and I see something awesome, I literally like take photos and then send it to the client just like, Joey, I saw this and I think this will be perfect for your next event. We're not even planning. The we're still planning this event, but it's just like, this is great because maybe your next theme is superhero or whatever, right? Exactly, so, exactly. And what does that it. do? What does that do, Amanda? Let's dissect that. I love that you do that. Let's dissect it a little for the listeners who may be going, well, I'm not exactly, I don't think I'd feel comfortable doing that. And wouldn't that be weird to send that text? And what would be, no, a couple things. Number one, hey, I'm at this event and just saw this. What does that show? You're a professional. You're working. You work on projects other than theirs. You're aware of what's going on in the industry and you're paying attention. I saw this and I thought it'd be great for your next event. I was thinking about you. I'm thinking about your next event. I have a good finger on the pulse of what you like, what you don't like, what matters to you. And I wanted to share that with you. And I know we're not ready for the next event quite yet, but I wanted to flag this now as something we should talk about then. Don't worry about it. I'll remember. Now you've given them the permission to say, okay, wow, this is super cool, 
but oh my gosh, do I have to write this down somewhere? Do I have to take a note? How am I going to remember this idea? No, no, no. That's why you work with me. That's why you work with Amanda, because my job is to always be thinking about you. And it's this event, the next event, the event before this one, the last event, I'm thinking about all of it because that's the experience of doing business with me. That is how you differentiate yourself in the marketplace. So true. And that's what our accounts team do, you know, I call it, and it comes from a very genuine part. Yes. I think yes. just, you saw, you see that and you're like, oh yeah, that would be great for this client. That, you know, and just. You just see it and then you see the relevance, you see how it will fit into their event. So don't fake it. You know, it needs to come in a very genuine way. Absolutely. And don't be afraid to take a risk. One of my very good friends owns a baseball team. His baseball team is called the Savannah Bananas. His name is Jesse Cole. He's a heck of a character. He's a modern day P.T. Barnum. He'd be a great guest for your show. Friends, if you're listening, go check out Jesse Cole and the Savannah Bananas. It is a spectacle. He describes it as what if you were at a circus and a baseball game broke out? That's what going to one of his baseball games is like. It's pandemonium. It's excitement. So I'm in a store and I see this crazy plastic figure, kind of like almost doll. If you're familiar with like vinyl plastic toys and, you know, Kid Robot is a brand and, you know, things like that. They're just weird and quirky and interesting. And it is banana yellow and it is two feet tall and it's this little character with funny hair and it it has nothing to do with baseball. It has nothing to do with Jesse except for the fact that it's that yellow banana color. So what do I do? I buy it and I'm gonna send it to him as a gift. So I go on the website, his website of the Savannah Bananas and I order a car decal, a sticker that you would put on your car and I have it come to my house. I then take the decal and I put it on this weird little banana colored figure I've gotten him. And then I wrap it all up and I put in a little note that says, this is the strangest, weirdest thing I ever saw. And it made me think of you. You're amazing. Keep being remarkable. I hope to see you soon. And I send it to him. And I got to tell you, Amanda, when I send it to him, I'm thinking, he might think I'm insane. He might think I've lost my mind. The day he receives it, I get a video message from him. And he's like, I have no idea what this thing is. This is crazy. This is weird. And I love it. And it's going on my shelf in my office. Thank you so much for thinking of me. This is awesome. It's okay to take a risk. It's okay to do something quirky. Because you know what? It shows you're trying. It shows you're thinking about the person. And what's the worst that can happen? That was weird. Okay. I didn't really like that. Okay. I missed the mark. I would rather have you try something and miss than be afraid to try something and not do it. Because you know what happens? The people who are willing to try and shoot for it eventually start hitting, 
eventually start getting it right. And even if you miss every once in a while, that's okay. Cause it shows me that you're still trying, you're still pushing, you're still doing things different. That's how you create a sustainable long-term business. You don't create a sustainable long-term business that attracts people to it by playing it safe, by doing what everybody else does, by being normal, by being common. That's not how it works. The way you build a sustainable long-term business, long-term deep personal and emotional connected relationships is by doing the things and having the type of interactions that might feel a little weird, but to your point earlier, Amanda, feel authentic. They feel real. They're genuine. I genuinely thought of him when I saw this. I wasn't trying to create an opportunity. I was like, that's weird. It's banana yellow. Who? Oh my gosh, the Savannah bananas, Jesse Cole. He's going to think this is weird too. Let's revel in our weirdness together. And there we go. That's awesome. I love stories like that because it, it definitely makes a difference, you know? And at our agency, I remember it just sparked my memory because a few years ago, you know, it's very competitive to work here. But then we have one person, she, one day I receive a box with a cookie in the shape of a foot. And she, it has a small message. It's like, I just want to get my foot in the door. Can you look at my resume? <laughs> and literally, I think at the time I have 400 resumes, right? And, and only the best one get filtered by my team so that I can see. And hers wasn't in that pile. But because of the cookie, I say, go look for this person. I want to see her resume. And it, it definitely, you know, I ended up interviewing her. We didn't hire her, but guess what? It's, it bumped up her opportunity versus being in a pile of 400 resumes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And here's the thing that I hope the, the person who applied, I hope they're listening or I hope they know this. It doesn't matter that she didn't get the job. She got your attention. And how long ago was that, Amanda? A few years ago, and I still remember. And you still remember. Yes. And my gut instinct is, if now you came across that person, you give them another look, they'd get another chance just because that was different. That was unique. That was weird. Now, you've got to have the, you've got to be able to deliver. It's not enough just to be creative. The creativity got her the look. The experience, the resume didn't get her the job. So you have to do both. It's not enough just to be flash and sizzling off. Oh, there's one audience that I wish would understand this very deeply. It's event coordinators and event planners, right? We think, but we'll just have fireworks and that'll make everybody okay with the fact that it took five hours to get served dinner. Or we'll just have an amazing singer up front and that'll make it seem totally okay that all the content panels we had during the day were horrible and boring. No, no, no. The product's got to be great too. It's not just enough to have the experience be great. You got to deliver a great product. And an opportunity, just a pro tip I'd put out there for everyone listening who coordinates events. Often the event planners, the event coordinators are dealing with the sizzle. What are we doing for the decorations and the decor, the lighting, the entertainment, the meals, do, do, do. 
you could really stand out in the marketplace if you started helping them with the stake. What do I mean by that? Let's talk about your content. Let's talk about your speakers. Not just who are we going to book, but how are we going to thread a content line throughout the entire event? What are we going to do leading up to the event to have your speakers engaged? What are we going to do to start laying the foundation so when they show up, they're ready to learn, they're ready to take action, they're ready to dive deep? What are we going to do after the event to keep that content train going? What are we going to do to make sure that they still feel the strong connection to you so that a year from now, when you say, hey, come back for this year's annual event, they go, God, that was the best event I attended last year. And they've been in touch with me ever since, continuing to provide value, continuing to provide opportunities. I can't miss going to it this year. And by the way, I should also get four of my friends to come with me because this is going to be awesome. It's not just about the sizzle. It's about the substance too. So consider how you can help get involved in the substance as well. A hundred percent agree. So well said. So many great takeaways today, Joey. I'm so sad that this is coming to an end, but you know, some of the highlights, one importance of the first hundred days of the customer relationship Two, the difference between customer service and customer experience. I definitely had a light bulb moment there. And then three, the A phases of the customer cycle from assess, admit, affirm, activate, a, a client, what is it, acclimate, accomplish, to adopt, and then advocate. For those of you that are not familiar with that, I definitely highly for you to check out Joey's website so you could really see those eight phases. And then Joey, what's the best way for the audience to get in touch with you? Well, there's a couple of fun ways, Amanda, for folks to get in touch. Uh, the best way is probably through my website. It's joeycoleman.com. That's J-O-E-Y, like a baby kangaroo or a five-year-old, you know, Joey Coleman, C-O-L-E-M-A-N, like the camping equipment, but no relation, joeycoleman.com. There you'll find links to my book, Never Lose a Customer Again, which you can also get on Amazon. We've got it as an audio book. I know you're listening to the podcast. You might like listening to me read you the book because I narrate the book. Um, we've also got a free first 100 days implementation kit on my website that you can download that goes through all of these eight phases and has worksheets for you to print out and go through with your team. So you can sit down with your team and say, how can we make our activate phase better? How can we make our accomplish phase better? Whatever phase it is, you can go through. And it also includes ideas of how to do that. And the last thing I'll say is if you're listening to this podcast, if you have an interest in creating remarkable experiences, I have a podcast as well. It's called the Experience This Show. It's all about customer and employee experience, bite-sized delights of little stories, little anecdotes, ideas that can help you continue to create the remarkable experiences that will keep your customers coming back for your for more and your employees engaged and retained. So thank you so much for the time today. I appreciate everybody's willingness to devote their time and listen. Hopefully you got a couple ideas of things that you can do. And if you implement any of the things we talked about, reach out and let me know. I'm always looking for new stories for my books, for my speeches. Would love to hear how you're creating remarkable experiences. Amazing, amazing. Thank you so much, Joy, for joining us today. And for those of you that are tuning in, if you have any questions or interested in working with Joey, please reach out to him. And as a, you know, as a high quality event agency, I like to say, you know, he's five stars all the way from the beginning to the end and beyond. But thank you so much.
Thank you for tuning in today's episode of Event Up. If your company is looking to level up your event experience, we are your solution. We do all the work, you take all the credit. Don't forget to share and subscribe for more episodes. We have more amazing speakers coming up in future sessions. We'll chat with you next time. Thank you for listening. Tune in next time on Event Up.